God's Road Grace Church would like to invite you to listen to a sermon by our pastor, Todd Nybert. We are located at 4137 Todd's Road, two miles outside of Manowar Boulevard. Sunday services are at 1030 a.m. and 6 p.m. Bible study is at 945 a.m. Wednesday services are at 7 p.m. Nursery is provided for all services. For more information, visit our website at toddsroadgracechurch.com. Now here's our pastor, Todd Nybert. The Lord Jesus said concerning the scriptures, and he was speaking of the Old Testament scriptures, they are they which testify of me. Now every scripture is given to testify concerning the Lord Jesus Christ, who he is, what he did, and where he is now. Now we're going to consider Joseph this morning and his betrayal. And the Lord tells us ahead of time that this scripture is given to testify of him. And Joseph is perhaps the greatest type of Christ in all the Old Testament. And this is such a wonderful story, but I want to consider his betrayal this morning. In Genesis chapter 37, verse 18, and when they, speaking of his brethren, and when they saw him afar off, they saw Joseph coming toward them. Even before he came near unto them, they conspired against him to slay him. Now, at this time, we have premeditated, cold-blooded murder planned out. They were going to murder their brother. They hated him completely. And they said one to another, Behold, this dreamer cometh. Come now, therefore, and let us slay him, and cast him into some pit. And we will say, Some evil beast hath devoured him. And we shall see what will become of his dreams. Now, what precipitated this? Why did they have such a strong reaction against Joseph and against his dreams? Well, let me read some more scripture. It would be helpful if you could get a Bible and follow along with me in Genesis chapter 37. We read beginning in verse 3 of Genesis chapter 37. Now, Israel loved Joseph more than all his children. He had 12 sons, and Joseph was his favorite. He demonstrated blatant favoritism toward Joseph. Uh, the others were relatively unimportant to Jacob compared with Joseph. Now you can see where this would create hostility with his brothers and jealousy and envy. Was Jacob right in making this distinction? Well, humanly speaking, no. He should have loved them all the same. But this is given to picture the father's love to the son. Don't forget that. Oh, 
the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, is the Father's favorite. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all of his children because he was the son of his old age. And he made him a coat of many colors. Now this coat represented the perfections of the Lord Jesus Christ. And every time his brothers saw that coat, they were reminded, our father loved Joseph more than us. He is the favored son. And I will assure you that every time they saw him in that coat, it got to them. Verse 4, And when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren, they hated him. And they could not speak peaceably to him. They didn't have one good thing to say to Joseph because of the resentment they bore him. Now you can remember when they said in the passage I read initially, behold, this dreamer comes and then they'll end up saying, well, now we'll see what will become of his dreams. Here are his dreams. Verse 5, and Joseph dreamed a dream and told it to his brethren and they hated him yet the more. And he said unto them, Here I pray you this dream which I have dreamed. For behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and lo, my sheaf arose, and also stood upright. And behold, your sheaf stood round about and made obedience to my sheaf. That means your sheaves worshipped, bowed down into the ground to my sheaf. And his brethren said, Shalt thou indeed reign over us, or shalt thou indeed have dominion over us? They knew what this dream signified, and what Joseph meant by that. And they hated him yet the more for his dreams, and for his words. And he dreamed yet another dream, and told it his brethren, and said, Behold, I've dreamed a dream more, and behold, the sun, and the moon, and the eleven stars made obedience to me. The whole created universe worships me. And when he referred to the sun and the moon and the 11 stars, that's talking about his mom, his dad, and his 11 brothers, represented by those numbers. All will do obedience to me. All will worship me. And he told it to his father and to his brethren, And his father rebuked him and said unto him, What is this dream that thou hast dreamed? Shall I and thy mother and thy brethren indeed come down to bow ourselves down to thee on the earth? And his brethren envied him, but his father observed all that was said. Now we read of his father sending Joseph to look for his brethren while they were out uh, tending the flocks. Now Joseph knew that they hated him, and yet his father sends him on this errand, and he does this willingly. And his brethren went to feed their father's flock in Shechem. And Israel said unto Joseph, Do not thy brethren feed the flock in Shechem? Come, and I'll send thee unto them. And he said, Here am I. He expresses his willingness to do this, even knowing that his brethren hated him. He was still quick to obey his father's will. And he said, Go, I pray thee, and see whether it be well with thy brethren, and well with the flocks, and bring me word again. So he sent him down out of the vale of Hebron, which means fellowship, communion. And he came to Shechem, which means shoulder. 
bearing the burden. And a certain man found him, and behold, he was wandering in the field. And the man asked him, saying, What seekest thou? And he said, I seek my brethren. Tell me, I pray thee, where they feed the flocks. And the man said, There departed hence, for I heard them say, Let us go to Dothan. And Joseph went after his brethren and found them in Dothan. And this is when this conspiracy takes place. They're speaking of their hatred of him and their desire to put him to death. And when they saw him afar off, even before he came near unto them, they conspired against him to slay him. And they said one to another, Behold, this dreamer cometh. They no doubt had spent much time discussing his dreams. Can you believe he dreamed that we're going to bow down before him? They hated him for this. They thought, you arrogant little jerk. How can you dream dreams like this? And probably if I was in their position, I would be thinking the same thing. Uh, And they uh, said, verse 20, Now come now therefore and let us slay him and cast him into some pit. And we'll say, they even come up with their alibi. We'll say some evil beast hath devoured him. And we shall see what will become of his dreams as they see him coming. Their plan has, is getting ready to be put into action. And Reuben, he was the firstborn. And Reuben heard and he delivered him out of their hands and said, let us not kill him. They were going to kill him right there on the spot. But Reuben didn't want that to take place. And Reuben said unto them, Shed no blood, but cast him into this pit that's in the wilderness, and lay no hand upon him, that he might rid him out of their hands to deliver him again to his father. Reuben planned somehow to get him back to his father and deliver him from his murderous brethren. Verse 23, And it came to pass when Joseph was coming to his brethren, they stripped Joseph out of his coat, his coat of many colors that was on him. I'm sure they did so with taunts and mocking you think you're something with that coat? Well, we're going to get rid of that coat, and who's going to help you now? You're away from our Father's presence. You're in our hands now. And they took him and cast him into a pit, and the pit was empty. There was no water in it. And they sat down to eat bread. Now, this gives us some idea of the cruelty of his brethren. We know from Genesis 42, he was crying out in anguish from that pit. And what were they doing while he was crying out in anguish, perhaps very thirsty, eating dinner together? They were utterly unmoved by the plight of their brother. And they sat down to eat bread and they lifted up their eyes and looked and behold, a company of Ishmaelites came from Gilead with their camels bearing spicery and balm and myrrh going to carry it down to Egypt. And Judah comes up with a plan. What Profit is it if we slay our brother and conceal his blood? We're not getting any money out of this. Let's make us a little cash. Here's what we'll do. We will sell him as a slave to these Midianites. Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites, and let me not let not our hand be upon him, for he's our brother and our flesh, and his brethren were content. This way we won't be guilty of killing him. All we've done is sold him as a slave, and we'll never see him again. He's out of our hands. Then there passed by Midianites, merchantmen, and they drew and lifted up Joseph out of the pit and sold Joseph to the Ishmaelites for 20 pieces of silver, and they brought Joseph unto Egypt. Now, 200 years before this, God appeared to Abraham in a vision 
and said, your descendants are going to be evil entreated in a distant land. And he was talking about Egypt and they're going to be there 400 years. This is how Abraham's descendant went down to Egypt. This was all a part of God's purpose. Verse 29, and Reuben returned into the pit and behold, Joseph was not in the pit and he rent his clothes and he returned unto his brethren and said, the child is not and I, whither shall I go? And they took Joseph's coat and killed the kid of the goats and dipped the coat in the blood. I'm sure they were doing so with relish, thinking we'll see what his coat does for him now. And they sent the coat of many colors and they brought it to their father and said, this have we found now, whether it be thy coat's son or no. And he knew. Jacob knew. And he said, it's my son's coat. An evil beast hath devoured him. Joseph is without doubt rent in pieces. And Jacob rent his clothes and put sackcloth upon his loins and mourned for his son many days. And all of his sons and all of his daughters rose up to comfort him. These same people who sold him into slavery. This is uh, very sinister and hypocritical. They rose up to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted and said, For I'll go down into my grave into my son mourning. Thus his father wept for him. You see, the only thing that could satisfy him would be for Joseph to be returned to him. Little did he know that 15 years later, Joseph would be returned to him. And the Midianites sold him into Egypt and to Potiphar, the captain of the guard. Now this story is a beautiful, beautiful type of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It happened, this is a historical event, but it's such a beautiful picture of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ coming to save his brethren from their sins and what he went through. Now, the first thing that I would notice is Joseph was sent by his father about the welfare of his brethren. Christ was sent by his father for the welfare of his brethren. And notice Joseph went after his brethren. Christ came for his brethren. This is very important. Listen carefully. The intention of Jesus Christ when he came into this earth was not to save all men. If that was his intention, he would have done it. It was not to make men savable. He didn't come in a generic sense. Christ Jesus came for his brethren. His brethren are those who were eternally united to him before time began. Listen to this scripture. For whom he did foreknow, them he also did predestinate, that they might be conformed to his image, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. All of the elect, all those given to Christ before time began, are his brethren. And he came to save them. Now somebody says, why would you make a point like this? Well, first of all, because the Bible does. And secondly, this reminds us that 
Christ is salvation. If he came to save you, you must be saved. None of his brethren will be in hell. Whoever he came to save, whoever he intended to save, that is who he saved. And we can't help but be struck with the fact that Joseph did all of this willingly. Christ did this willingly. Here am I. Send me. Lo, I come in the volume of the book. It's written of me. I delight to do thy will. O God, he came willingly to save his brethren who hated him. Now, Joseph left Hebron, the place of communion and fellowship, and came to the place of burden. And isn't that exactly what the Lord Jesus Christ did when he left heaven as to come and save his brethren? Now, when they saw him, he's coming after them. And when they saw him afar off, even before he came near unto them, they conspired against him to slay him. Now, when Christ came for his people, his brethren, he came for people that actually hated him and desired his death. Now, I want you to understand this. This is what you and I are guilty of. The death of Christ. Now, somebody says, I've never hated Christ. Well, maybe you haven't hated the conception of Christ you had that you felt comfortable with, that you could manipulate and you could move and you could get him to do this or stop him from doing that. You don't hate that Christ, but the Christ of the Bible, the Christ of absolute sovereign rule. Back in verse 8 again, and his brethren said, shalt thou indeed reign over us or shalt thou indeed have dominion over us? Now the Christ reigns over you. He has dominion over you. Whether you know it or not, you are in his hand and your eternal destiny is up to him. You don't have any control. Your salvation is up to him. Somebody says, well, I thought my salvation was up to me if I decided to make it happen by accepting Jesus Christ as my personal savior. That's foolishness. Your salvation is in his hand. It's up to him as to whether or not you'll be saved. And my dear friends, the only hope you have is that salvation is up to him. Because if it's up to you, you won't be saved. But if it's up to him, he can be pleased to have mercy. But this is the one they hated. And they hated him so bad, they wanted him put to death. Now, when he was put in this pit, this represents his death. They put him in a pit, a deep pit with no water. And this represents his death. Verse 23, and it came to pass when Joseph was coming to his brethren that they stripped Joseph of his coat, his coat of many collars that was on him, and they took him and cast him into a pit, and the pit was empty, there was no water in it. When Christ was nailed to the cross, and I say this with fear, with reverence, with awe, he was stripped of his coat. He was stripped of his righteousness when he was made sin as the sinner substitute. He was stripped. And they took him and cast him into that pit, representing his death, and the pit was empty. There was no water. And that's when they 
sat down to eat bread. This shows how unfeeling they were. And this shows how, if left to ourselves, how unfeeling we are about the death of Christ. Unless God is pleased to make himself known to us and give us a heart to see and receive and believe. Now you'll remember that Christ was sold for 30 pieces of silver. Well, Joseph was sold. And Judah said unto his brethren, What profit is it if we slay our brother and conceal his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites. And let not our hand be upon him, for he's our brother and our flesh. And his brethren were content. Just as Joseph was sold for the price of a common slave, Christ was sold for 30 pieces of silver. And they took Joseph's coat and killed a kid of the goats and dipped the coat in the blood. We also read in Revelation 19 of this John's vision of Christ when he said, I saw one with a vesture dipped in blood, speaking of seeing the Son of God. And he had a name written on the vesture and on his thigh, Lord of Lords and King of Kings. He's the one also who wore his own vesture dipped in blood, his own blood sacrificed for his people. And they sent the coat of many colors and they brought it to their father and said, this have we found. Know now whether or not this is thy son's coat or no. The scripture says, and he knew. Now I don't even know how to uh, enter into this But when Christ was nailed to a cross, God the Father never stopped loving him. He was still his only begotten and well-beloved son. And he knew. He knew exactly who he was. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. He knew, and he said, It's my son's coat, an evil beast hath devoured him. Joseph is without doubt rent in pieces, and Jacob rent his clothes and put sackcloth upon his loins and mourned for his son many days. And all his sons and daughters rose up to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted and said, For I'll go down into my grave Mourning for my son. The only thing that would satisfy Jacob is if Joseph was returned. Now he didn't know that that would take place in 15 years. But the only thing that would satisfy God the Father is if his son is raised from the dead. And that's exactly what Christ did when he was on Calvary's tree. And he was bearing the sins of his brethren and putting away their sins and working out for them a perfect righteousness. He was raised from the dead and the father found complete satisfaction in the resurrection of his son and complete satisfaction with all of his people. And the Midianites sold him into Egypt unto Potiphar, an officer and captain of the guard. Now I want you to As you can, try to listen to these statements, these closing statements, real carefully. Now, this is covering the whole story of Joseph, but this 
demonstrates God's adorable providence. He is in control of everybody and everything. If Joseph's family was not so messed up, they wouldn't have sold him to the Midianites. If they didn't sell him, he would have never reached Egypt. If he didn't go down to Egypt, he would never have been sold unto Potiphar. If he had never been sold to Potiphar, he would never have been unjustly accused of rape, raping Potiphar's wife when he didn't do it. If he had not been accused of rape, he would have never been thrown into prison. If he had never been thrown into prison, he would have never met the butler and the baker. If he would have never met the butler and the baker, he would have never interpreted their dreams. If he did not interpret their dreams, they couldn't have told Pharaoh about this one who could interpret dreams. If he had not interpreted Pharaoh's dreams, he would never have become prime minister of Egypt. If he would have never become prime minister of Egypt, he could not wisely prepare for the famine to come. If he had not prepared for the famine to come, his family would die. They'd starve to death. You see, these fellows didn't realize that what they were doing was for their good. They didn't realize it and they didn't mean it that way. But it was for their salvation. If his family would have died, Judah would have died. Judah, the one through whom the Christ came. But everything took place according to God's perfect providence. Now, I would like to read a passage in closing from Isaiah or from Genesis chapter 45 when Joseph makes himself known to his brethren years later when he's the head of all of Egypt. And if you're going to have food, you had to come to him for it. And Joseph could not refrain himself before all them that stood by. And he cried, cause every man to go out from me. And there stood no man with him while Joseph made himself known unto his brethren. They find out that the most powerful man in the world is Joseph. And he wept aloud. And the Egyptians in the house of Pharaoh heard. And Joseph said unto his brethren, I am Joseph. Doth my father yet live? And his brethren could not answer him, for they were troubled at his presence. Uh-oh, we're in trouble. We know what we did to him. What goes around comes around, and it's coming around to us. And Joseph said unto his brethren, Come near to me, I pray you. And they came near, and he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. Now, therefore, be not grieved, nor angry with yourselves that you sold me hither, for God did send me before you to preserve life. For these two years hath the famine been in the land, and yet there are five years in the which there shall be neither earring nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve you a posterity in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So now it was not you that sent me hither, but God. Everything we did is our fault, but God sent Christ to preserve life. To save a people. What a beautiful picture we have of this. In the story of this man Joseph. This great type of Christ. Now we have this message on DVD and CD. If you call the church, write. Or look at our website. You can get a copy. This is Todd Nyper praying that God will be pleased to make himself known to you. That's our prayer. Amen. Mm -hmm.
To receive a copy of the sermon you have just heard, send your request to todd.nybert at gmail.com or you may write or call the church at the information provided on the screen. 